start. Um, if somebody made a copy of recorded last week's shear, if you get it to me, we would like to have a copy of it because uh, I was not able to get it to, re- to record it. So if you have, if somebody has, please let me know. Okay, so the title of the shear is Last Minute Questions Before the Last Minute. Um, the, the, some of these will be real, real questions which did come in. Some of them will be ones that thre- theoretically could come in. But we'll start with some of the ones that actually did come in. So I got a phone call. This is last year, Eric Pesach. Um, uh, that there's a he had ordered his Pesach seder from a local caterer. They dropped off the Pesach seder, and there was roast chicken. There's roast chicken as as, well, as the food for the for that. Now, so the so person called me up. Actually, had a different question, and so you know something about roast chicken. Roast chicken. So uh, the halacha is you don't use you don't use roast roast meat and chicken by the, by the seder. Now, what's the definition of roast meat? So, if you roast it over a spit, obviously that's considered roasted. If you roast it in a pot, so roasting in a pot, we also consider that it's considered roasted. The definition of roasting in a pot means that there's not enough liquid that's going in the part of flavor of, of being used, that it was cooked in liquid. It's going to be more a dry type of a, of a cooking. So that's what the result is going to be, a dry type of a cooking as opposed to a, a, a wet type of a cooking. It's considered sleek cotter, and it's, it's problematic. But you can... Put it back into the pot, add some sauce, and add some liquid, and cook it again, and impart that flavor and solve the problem. So the person called me uh, with enough time to do that. They called me at four o'clock in the afternoon, so they still had it, but two hours till till the evening. It wasn't the most exciting thing to do on Eric Pesach in the afternoon. It's good they called me then, um, but that's something which a person could do. So that's like that was a last minute question. Um, person calls me with the following question: They had come up with this great idea. They were using romaine lettuce. And so they, they're going to, instead of doing the, the soap and the rub, they, they, they're going to soak it in salt water. So they soaked it in salt water. Being under the pressure that soaking in salt water would, would remove the bug issue. So um, as, far, as far as my understanding is, I'm not sure that that's true. But I wasn't sure about that, one, about that one way or the other, whether soaking in salt water solves the uh, bug issue. However, it creates a different problem. Which is called kavush. The luck is that marer, which has been kavush, and we'll translate that in a moment, is, is, is not kosher for marer. What's the definition of kavush? It's been soaked. It's been soaked. How long? So the luck is if you soak it in water for 24 hours, it becomes puzzle to use for marer. Okay, it wasn't 24 hours. However, if you soak it in salt water or vinegar, the time amount is, is 18 minutes. So they'd soaked it in salt water for more than 18 minutes. I did not have a solution to that problem, um, other than to say that they, they have to start over again with, with new romaine lettuce. Um, an interesting way, way when this halacha comes up, a person uh, prepares the romaine, uh, sticks it in a bag, if you, you, know, you, you ran it under water, there's, there's a lot of water which gathers in the bag. So if you're going to have that, you put that in the bag, you put it in your fridge, and it sits in your fridge and it's sitting in the water. So if there's a lot of water in there, theoretically your leaves on the bottom of the bag are soaking in water for 24 hours. So you don't want that. You want to make sure that you shake it off well before you put it in. I don't, I mean, you, know, you don't have to be... A little bit of water is not the problem. It has to be you know, sitting immersed in water. If you're going to type that type of, you don't want that type of situation to come up that you're going to have such a problem. Okay. Um, I, get a, I, get a, I get a phone call from a person who went to a Pesach hotel. Um, and again, the phone call comes in Arab uh, Pesach. So they set up the Neros. They set up the Neros to light uh, on a table with tea lights. 
around the corner from the, the dining room in the hallway. Okay? So the is that you like neighbors from the place that you're eating. So, uh, so the, the, here the, the, the neighbors were set up around the corner, down the, down the hallway. Nobody was eating there. So I asked him, can he go to the mashkiach and see if they can, make the, they can change it? He said, call me back. So he goes to the mashkiach. They can't change it, but they'll, they'll put some cake there. <laughs> so he wanted to know does that solve the problem I said no it doesn't um, but I did point out and this is interesting halacha that the halacha is for halachas meiros for, for, for Friday night yomtev etc there's two reasons why we like there's two different halachas why you like neighbors. there's one is you like neighbors to enhance the meal Picturing them, they didn't. The, the, the maintenance of lighting there was one they didn't have artificial light. So this was the, the, the light which you would eat your meal by. It's much more enjoyable if you can see your food than if you can't see the food. So that's number one. So it enhances the meal. The second reason is because it's considered a lack of shalom bayis if you don't have a light in the house because if it's very dark, a person can trip, a person can you know hit, hit something, tumble on something, and what happens when you when you you fall over something which is on the floor? Who left that there? And the next thing you. <laughs> No, you have a fight. So it's a shalom bias issue. So that, that halach is true in any room in the house. Any room in the house that has to be in such a way that's not pitch black. There has to be light which can come into the room. So you leave a light in the hallway, it goes into the bedrooms, so there's light in the bedrooms. Right? But you cannot leave it, you cannot create a situation. I love sleeping in the dark. That's wonderful. But you, there's a mitzvah to have light around the house. So even if a person's not going to be eating, there's a mitzvah to make sure that you leave light, a light on in your, in your bedroom. So the hotel room, you're eating downstairs in the dining room, but you still have a chiv to light in your hotel room. Make sure there's light in your hotel room. Now that's very easy because you want, I don't know you want to leave a light on in the bathroom or something of that sort. But what's interesting is what type of nair can you use? So that, you know, once upon a time, they're, they're not, you're not bringing candles into these hotel rooms. They're not going to let you do that. So at best, they're going to be giving you electric. You're going to be using electric light. What type of electric light is acceptable to use for nearest shops? So nowadays, the question is, is very relevant because you can have theoretically an incandescent bulb, which you have a filament which is going to get red hot, and that's the equivalent of a nair. You could have a fluorescent bulb. You could have an LED bulb. Which the, the, n- neither of those is considered a nair in halacha. So if you want to light nairus, you want to use an incandescent bulb. Well, that can give you an incandescent bulb necessarily. So uh, and, and slowly but surely, there are you know it's time to stock up. You know, you know we're going to create something. You know, kosher solutions. You know, stock up of incandescent bulbs. Um, so what you can do is bring a small nightlight along which has this incandescent bulb or something like that runs run to the drugstore and get one. That you light in your room and make the commercial holds you can make a bruch of Nershal Shabbos on that. So there's a situation a person's, a person's in a hospital and they, they use they, they, they bring you the, the electric you know, electric lights to lights Ramashal you can make a bracha on that not everybody agrees with them but there's definitely what to say you can do that I, I would believe that's much better in halacha to do than to light, make the bracha on the tea lights on the, down the hallway with the cake um, in truth it's an interesting question in general in other words it, we understand the idea of lighting the neighbors where it um, it's actually gave the light for your meal. That makes sense. We even understand the idea of lighting there is, you know, you put candles there and it adds, it adds to the meal. It enhances the meal in some way. There's an ambiance, etc. Tea lights on the table, even within the regular room, right? You put a big, 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 you know, metal tray and you put a lot of little tea lights over there and like it looks like tea lights, you know. I can't tell you that it adds ambiance. 
I would suggest, you know, my wife, Evan, when she said, you know, you could, they really could make it much nicer. Make some type of a display with tea lights on it, and each one would light it, and it would be a nice, beautiful display with tea lights. They really would add ambiance. That would be a much better idea than just a tray of tea lights off to the side, and definitely down the hallway, right, while you're eating your cake. And, you know, there's such ambiance added to your eating of your cake, you know, because there's tea lights there. I, I find it very difficult to see that that's correct. So I told the person that they should make that they should try make a broker on what they do in the room and not make a broker downstairs. Um, so that's what I told them to do in the situation. Very common question which comes up: Erev Pesach, a person who's a bechor, and they miss the seer, right? So can they eat? So the answer is no. no. Okay, so the person says, I was by the seum, but I ran out, and I couldn't stay to eat anything. And it's now, later on the day, I want to eat something. Or vice versa. So I walked in just as they finished, right after they finished the seum. You know, I missed the seum, but can I eat, you know? So what's the halacha? What does it depend on? It depends on the food, it depends on the seum. That's a very important question that Jews have to ask always. What's the bottom line? Is it the food, or is it the learning, right? Uh, right. <laughs> So here's the, it's a fascinating question. So this question, um, there's a true from the saver called the, the Chavis Yoyer, Rebyar Bachrach, uh, back almost 400 years ago. He was one of the Gedolei Ador. And it's an interesting case that a person had made, taken upon himself a, a vow, he's only going to eat at mitzvah meals. He's only going to eat at Suda's mitzvah. That, that's what he took upon himself. Is that then he, once he made the, the netter, he says, what's a Suda's mitzvah? So he set the Shiloh, that's a smart time to ask the question, like after you made the netter, right? <laughs> so he set the Shiloh to the Chavis Yor, define, what is it called a Suda's mitzvah? What are, uh, what's a valid Suda's mitzvah in Allah? And that was the question that he sent to the Chavis Yor, and he gave a tshuva, and that tshuva is one of our basic tshuvas which we use for the definition of Allah, of a Suda's mitzvah, is Ruch Hashem, this fellow made this netter and asked the question, right? So he says a fascinating thing. The idea behind the seum is it's a suda that you're doing. You're eating to celebrate the idea that you completed your learning, and since that's a very valuable thing, it's considered a suda's mitzvah. He says, let's say you're so excited about what you accomplished that you make another seum, you make another meal the next day. You finish it on Sunday. You make a meal on Sunday. He says, you know what? I'm so excited. I want to party again on Monday. It's also a suda's mitzvah. He says, let's say I make another party on Tuesday. It's also a suda's mitzvah. If I'm making it in honor of the fact that I completed this, this learning, this safer, that's considered a Surah's Mitzvah. So it's very clear that the definition of Surah's Mitzvah has nothing to do with the fact that you're by the Siyum. He didn't re- repeat the end of the book three times. He finished it on Sunday. He celebrates on Monday. He celebrates on Tuesday. And it's called a Surah's Mitzvah. The idea behind the Deva Bechor not fasting is since he's, since he's at a Surah's Mitzvah, he should eat there. Because it's Surah's Mitzvah. And once you've eaten, there's no reason to continue fasting. So let's go back to our question. So the guy who missed the siyum, he walked into a Surah's Mitzvah. He should have partaken of a Surah's Mitzvah. See, he should eat, he could eat, and he, once he eats, he does not need to continue to fast the rest of the day. The fellow who heard the siyum and walked out can't cast the fast the rest of the day. That's counterintuitive, right? Uh, I had the same type of question. I was, you know, was, was, was uh, uh, the, the person at a camp one summer. So the, a lot of camps have this the idea during the nine days, they make a siyum. Inevitably, there's always one boy who misses the seum. You know, like, well, you know, they make a seum, they serve flashing. That was their excuse to serve flashing. Said, "Oh, camp." They make a seum. You know, the, the, the director of the camp finishes the masakta, and therefore they can one night instead of serving milk to the boys, they'll serve flashing during the nine days. That's. You know, I'm not getting involved in the, in the efficacy of that approach. Whether it's right, it's wrong. You can, it's, it's questionable, but that's what they do. So they didn't ask me, you know, before they did it. But that's what they do it. So, but there's always, I think, two years in a row, there's always like one boy who walks in. 
Rebbe, I missed the seum. Can I eat flesheks? The answer is yes. Because this is a meal of a Suda's Mitzvah. We're taking an honor of the celebration. Just to tell you a fascinating story in conjunction with this. And I learned the tells, so my Rashiva, Rashiva Gifter, learned the tells in Europe, the city of tells in Europe, and he told us a story one time that there was a, there was a Balabas in town, his name was Rebellion Chaim Helfen, Hashem Yinkam Doma, he was killed by the Nazis, Yimach Shmom, and um, he, he led a group called the Chevreshas. In Europe, it was very common, something they didn't have Dafyomi, they said they had Chevreshas. Every city had a Chevreshas, a group of people would get together and learn Shas. They go through Shas. So, so Rav Gifter was there when the Chevre Shas finished Shas. So Rav Yechaim made Shemus Man Mishnah. He celebrated for seven days in a row. His group had finished Shas. It took him like, like, like close to 20, 15, 20 years. They finished all of Shas. Seven days in a row. Each day he made a major meal, invited a different Rav to come and to speak, and it was, he was celebrating the completion of Shas for seven days in a row. I think very clearly that situation, the, the, the Pshuv of the, the Chavis Yor would be true. They're all Sudo Smiths, so they're all in celebration of the completion. Okay. Um, the second days this year is going to be Friday Shabbos. So the Arabs have Shilin questions. That, that's always, that's always a fascinating question. You know, a uh, fascinating question. What do you do? Uh, I forgot to make an Arabs have Shilin. That's like the most uh, common, common question you have. So, uh, Rabbi Walter and I were talking about an idea which, uh, which um, that some, sh- some uh, I think you're planning to implement that I don't understand. Um, we implemented the Yeshiva recently. I saw it in the shul where uh, I had my wife boil a few eggs. And I brought a box of matzahs. This was, uh, you know, Erev Rosh Hashanah. And right after Mincha, I made an announcement. Whoever forgot to make it after Shilin, here's a box of matzahs. Here's matzahs. Here's eggs. Anybody wants can take an egg and take a matzah and make an Erev Shilin. You really can make an Erev Shilin on the food at home without it being in front of you. It's preferred to be in front of you, but if they, even if they, if they hadn't done that, a person who forgot to make their Shilin can say, you know, that piece of meat and that piece of that roll over there, I'm going back at home on shelf X, I can use to make the Eretz Shilin. You just have to be careful that it's not consumed before Shabbos. The Eretz Shilin only allows you to cook, excuse me, and prepare for Shabbos as long as, it's, as, it, as it is intact. So if somebody decides to uh, consume the Eretz Shilin Thursday night, and you come, you come Friday morning, you want to start cooking for Shabbos, putting up the chola, etc. Well, where's that? We ate it already. Well, you can't cook for Shabbos. You, it has to be intact. So you don't want somebody to, you don't want to pick a roll which somebody might decide to, one of the kids might decide to eat before you get home. So you could do that, but you could make an Eretz in long distance. But that, what, another idea, which we just had it there, I mocked it to the person, it's now his matzah, it's his egg. He, cannot, he should take them and use them for Shabbos. And he made Eretz Um can you rely on the Rav's Erev? The Rav is Mazak and Erev to Shilin for the city. Uh, so the answer is you can rely on the Rav's Erev one time. So if you make the mistake once and you forget, you can rely on the Rav. If you do it again, the more says you're considered being negligent to the mitzvah, and we're not going to let you use the, 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 the Rav's Erev to Shilin. Now there's a question in Alacha, you know, can you, can, do you get good behavior? Do you get years of good, you get up parole for good behavior? At some point in time, you say, oh, I, I've been a good boy for the last, you know, eight years, ten years, I've always made it to Sheila, I forgot eight years ago, I forgot again eight years later, can I rely on the rope? Yeah, that, yes, you could. Um, not everybody agrees with that, but listen, you could. But, you know, but, but you can't, like, you know, I forgot Erev Hashanah, Erev Sukkis, Erev Street, you know, because, you know, you know, the Rav, you know, the Rav, that, excuse me, so you can't do that. I do want to point out that this year is a fascinating situation. Erev Hashanah usually comes out 
when it comes Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot, Shemini Atzeres, it always comes out that you're dealing with a Yotav Drabanon before Shabbos. The second day of Rosh Hashanah is Drabanon. The second day of Sukkot is Drabanon. Simple Torah is Drabanon. The only case you're going to have an Yotav, which is the Raisa on Erev Shabbos, there's two possibilities. One is this year, the seventh day of Pesach, which is the Yotav, the Raisa, is Erev Shabbos. And Shuas can also fall out to be, that you can have, that you can fall out that, that Shuas, you can have, um, the, the first day of Shuas can fall out to be Erev Shabbos. So, otherwise you don't have that. Now, that's very relevant in Allah, and I'll tell you why. Um, there, there's a fascinating thing. What, what do we do? How does the air sounds like magic? You know, it's like I take these two things, I put it aside, and now I can also cook for Shabbos. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not allowed to cook on Yom Tif for, for the next day. But a person will go on Yom Tif, Yatha Daraisa, and cook for the next day. Yatha Darabana cooks on the first day of first day of Pesach. He says, you know what? Let's cook for the second day. He is, it's punishable by, by Malchus. It's a lalav on the Torah. It's, per, it's punishable by Malchus. You get punished. Doesn't give you four, give you four, thirty-nine lashes for that. It's it's, it's an avayer. Uh, for Shabbos, it's okay. Well, how? Because you put an egg in a matzah. Like, how does it work? So the more it says, really, the egg in the matzah doesn't solve the problem. That's not what the, the solution takes place a layer before that. How so? The more it says, the more it has two opinions. One opinion says that you're, you're, our assumption is incorrect. You may cook on Yom for Shabbos. You may cook on the, on the tar level. You may cook on Yom for Shabbos. No problem. The rabbi said no, unless you make an erev tavshil. And the more discusses why they did that. That's very easy, right? However, there's a second opinion that says no. You may not cook on Yom for Shabbos on a Torah level. So the Eretz Hashem is not going to solve that problem. So how do you solve that problem? So the answer, the more it says that theoretically what you're doing is you're cooking for Yom not for Shabbos. I'm cooking food in such a way that in case guests come later on in the afternoon, I can serve them this, I can serve them this food. So I'm not cooking for Shabbos, I'm cooking for Yom Now this becomes very significant in Aloha because then obviously I have to cook in such a way that I could serve guests on Yom So that means it has to be edible on Yom Tov already. It has to be edible in such a way that I'd be comfortable serving it to guests on Yom Tov already. So, it's Friday afternoon, I said, we didn't put up the Sholans. Oh, okay, that's wonderful. And what time is it? Well, Shkia is about 7.15, and it's 5.15, you can put up the Sholans by now, it'll be ready tomorrow morning, that's wonderful, it'll be ready tomorrow morning, but that's not enough. You need to have it ready today. You need to have the food ready to use on Friday, on Yom Tov itself. So Mr. Burr says, so which, way, which opinion do we follow? So he said, when you're dealing with a Yotav the Rabbanon, you could be lenient. When you're dealing with a Yotav the Raisa, you may not be lenient. So, and I'm dealing with a case where it's the second day of Yotav, which is, which is the Rabbanon. I forgot to put up the child at 7 o'clock in the afternoon, and I can put up the child that will not be ready, will not be ready to eat, to serve to guests on Friday afternoon, but will, will be ready for the next morning. I can rely on the opinion that says you may cook on Yotav for Shabbos. Okay, I have an Erev Tashilin. I've done the rabbinic part. I have to deal with the Torah part. I've dealt with it. However, in, in this year, you may not do that. So it's important that any cooking that you're doing on Yom Tif for Shabbos, i.e. the Sholem, you should put it up early in the morning, <coughs> early in the day, that theoretically at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you could, you know, somebody drops in and says, great, I have great, wonderful, tasty, delicious Sholem to serve you. And then that's to be mutter. Um, I want to point out this is only an issue of, the, of actual cooking. Reheating pre-cooked food is not a problem. That you put in later in the day. 
The issue is you're talking about cooking. We're doing a malacha on a right at a higher level of, of cooking and cooking a yomtiv. I can't cook a yomtiv unless it's going to be usable for yom. Okay. Um, famous question is again. Again, this question comes to me. Erev Pesach and this. Was like at like six o'clock, you know. I realized I need something from the room where the guy. I, I sold. I, I went away for Yomtiv. I sold my house to the to the to the non-Jew. I didn't do Badika there, and I need something for my house. I want to send my son who lives down the block into the house to get it out. Is he allowed to go into the house and get it out? Right. That was the question. So I said, um, I said, let's get this clear. You, wh- whose house is it right now? He says. It's my house. I said, no, no, it's not your house, right? Whose house is this going to get? You sold your house. Because you wanted to sell your house because you wanted not have, didn't have the badika there. We'll talk about that in a second. That's what he did, right? So now the house belongs to you, not to you. So you want to send somebody into this house. I think it's called trespassing, trespassing breaking and entering. You know, um, why do you think you're permitted to do that? I need it very much. I said, that's beautiful. But why do you think you're permitted to do that? So, so I said, well, I, I'll tell you a secret. There's a clause usually in the, the star, which we use to sell to the goy, which says you may enter for a short amount of time if necessary into the place that you sell to the goy. So there is this clause there. But without the clause, it wouldn't work. Okay. So, but however, and there's a big however, you have comments all over the place. Are you allowed to send a Jew into a place where there's comments all over the place? Am I allowed to go into the? I sell my garage, and I, I, let's, say, let's say a person sells chametz gomer. Right, so the actual chametz that I store, I have boxes, boxes of macaroni, and you know chametz of matzahs, and flour, and all the different things I'm storing up over there. I'm a, I'm a pack rat, you know. I, I buy things on sale, you know, and I, I store it away. Right, and in my garage, I don't have a garage, by the way. But okay, um, and I'm not. A, I'm, well, I am a pack rat. <laughs> um, but my wife, Baruch Hashem, is not, so we balance each other. Um, so I put it off. To the, can I go into that room? Are you allowed to go near where, where, where there's chomets on Pesach? So the more it's an interesting question. I find chomets on Pesach. Even if it doesn't belong to me, I, if I find it on Yom Tov, I have to cover it over. It has to be covered. It has to be covered with a cleat. Well, let me finish the thought. However, that's not enough. If it's, even if it's not my chomets, it belongs to the goy. I can't be in the same place with it without some type of a separation between me and the chametz. That's called a mechitza in Allah. The same mechitza that you use over here for this, it has to be, te- has to be ten tzvachim high. It has to not sway in the wind. Mishabura says it has to be a separation. So you have to actually make a separation. So let's go through a few possibilities. So, so I, I have two freezers, which Baruch Hashem we do. Um, and let's say with argument, I would want to put chametz, I want to save some freezer type chametz in, in, in freezer number one. So I close the freezer number one, put the chomets in there, put a marking on it, you know, that, 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 that's for Pesach. So my mechitza is the door of my freezer. Okay, that's easy. However, let's say I only own one freezer. And I say, well, you know, but there's chomets in there. So I take the two bottom shelves, I put the chomets in there, I put tape paper on top, I put tape on top, I put, you know, the super glue on top, you know. Well, you know, I close it off, and you're not going to go in there by mistake. Is that enough? All right, the luck is ask the rabbi. Ask your local ask rabbi in that one. Okay, uh, it's very not clear that that's enough. This is a discussion which I've had with, with various postgames. I've gotten different answers on this question. I myself am very find, find it very fascinating. It's very clearly more you need a mechitza. The more so you need a mechitza. Well, I have a good hacker. I have a good way to remind myself. That's beautiful. So you, for your chomus to a kalim, which I put in my cabinet, that's fine. 
They're not talking about real chametz. Someone's chametz like a kalim. So I put a little. Well, you know, my mother-in-law has a little ribbon that she ties on it. And says, you know, pink ribbon means chametz stick. Okay, well, okay, well, fine. That's her hacker. I have no problem with that. That's for the chametz like a kalim. That doesn't work for chametz. Where's the chametz like a kalim? But for chametz itself, it can be much more complicated. But let's go back to our situation. You want to walk in this room and there's chametz there all over the place. So what's the law? So Mishabur says that a case where you're going in there just for a moment. Then, if it's, if it's it, the normal heat, is not going to be a problem. So he's just running in, getting the items. So the trespassing we solved because we wrote this clause over there. I said, you better check with your rub just to make sure that he had that clause. Call the rub and get you know the standard nusach has it. You know, can't tell you every single star has it. Um, okay, so we solved that. The fact that there's nothing, there's no barrier between him and the comments. You go in there for a short period of time. We could argue that that's sufficient. But if I'm going to be staying in my house and I have comments which I keep in my basement, which I'm keeping there, I should be aware there is a requirement of a mechitza. And I really should be putting some type of separation, halachic valid separation between myself and the comments. So we, we got the guy, he got his important documents, and we solved that problem. What about going to a store? What about going to a store? So, I never thought about this. Um, it, it, it's an interesting question. And. Um, you would have to rely on the, the, the argument of Nisha Brewer that for a short period of time, being there a short period of time, we're not afraid you're going to grab it, pop it in your mouth. You're there constantly, we're afraid of such a possibility. So some people, you know, you have these people like they live in stores, you know, if, if, if that's what you do, right, so then you have a problem. But the average person walks in, gets something and leaves, you should be okay. Um, um, what's just the problem with basically covering up the shelf? Um... The simple answer is the Gemara said you need the more said kviyas kli is not enough because you could theoretically move it away. A mechitza, which is a whole separation, or a door to a room, that's the Gemara said is sufficient. The more ro- it's true, but the more said that you take up a shelf. I understand. I understand. I understand the arguments. I understand the argument. The more says mechitza works, kli doesn't work. So I, you know, I can't solve the problem. I hear the argument. I understand. I understand very well. But I, I but that's not what the more says. The more says mechitza versus. Kli. Kli doesn't work, you might, and mechitza does. So once it's, it's, it's home in Allah that you require mechitza, so we can argue it's a good idea, but that's not what Allah says. So that's like every case of Allah. Once it becomes Allah, that's the Allah. We could, you know, it doesn't always work every single case. It's going to be exactly the, the, the best logic, but that's the Allah now. Yeah. Okay, um, going back to the air of Lane. Yeah. So we came to this question recently. So I thought, and just tell me if you're right, it's only one person in the household has to do it? Correct. So what if there's like, you know, you have like, you know, grown children or other people that are visiting with you and they're in your house. For Yantiv, how does that all, is it only still one person? So theoretically, okay, that's a fair question. Theoretically, if they're not going to be doing any, any cooking on their own, they don't need, they, they don't well, what does it mean on their own? Like if we're all like, let's say somebody decides, oh, you know, I did it, so somebody else, let's say my son decides, well, my mother did it, so therefore I can come in and cook? That's, if he's cooking, if he's, that's fine. If he's cooking your house, eating your house, it's all part of the food in the house. Mm-hmm. If, you want, if he's staying down the block mm-hmm. and he's going to be maybe making, making himself something to drink or something to eat over there in the house, that, that's not going to work. Even if the main meals are by you. Okay. Right? But he's going, 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 going to be doing distinct, separate. Um, the question comes up about Halakas Neiris. You know, we don't do Te'er Tashilin with a Baraka for just Halakas Neiris. But I can, um, you could argue that some person say that in that situation, the person should do it. I think it's sufficient. We understand that it's sufficient if the person of the, the main person of the household makes, it covers everything in the household. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, what it's necessary to eat the food that you prepare for Erev Tashmi? It's, it, it it's correct to eat it. That is correct. It's it can't be eaten. You have to. I, I, you, you notice how we answer the question. <laughs> I know she said Nesser, and I said correct. <laughs> so it, the halacha is that it, it, you, it, the, the, the idea behind Erev is that you, prepare, you started the process of preparing for Shabbos with this food, and you're finishing it off later on on Yom Tov. So this is the beginning of your... So I, I, it might make sense to make a, make a challah for Shabbos and not use it. So obviously you're supposed to use it. If you didn't use it at the end, it's not going to retroactively invalidate your Erev Tavshil. But you should use it, yes. That's why I said it the way I said it. Yes. Taste of the shelf again. If it's covered with aluminum foil and paper, is aluminum foil constituted pizza? I don't think so. It has to be ten talking high. It has to be ten talking high, and it shouldn't. It can't sway the way. I, I have the same problem. I don't know. You could the rabbi. Well, you, know, you have Baruch Hashem. Like I said, you're supposed to ask your local Orthodox rabbi. I'm local. I'm Orthodox. I'm a rabbi, but I'm not yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so um, here's a question which comes up. You know, uh, sorry. Yeah. On the, the question of the Arab Tafshil, you said that if since it's Yom Tov, you have to rely upon. It obsesses on both opinions and have the food edible on your Correct. What, what that defines edible? It has to be edible enough that you would be comfortable feeding it to guests. Okay. The more likely was how we glory. If guests would come, you would serve them. I'm not really planning to give another meal to my. I mean, theoretically, if I have two kids, young kids, and I'm going to serve them fresh cooked chicken later on the afternoon, that'd also be fine, right? But and it has to be theoretically. There's a real usage for it. I wouldn't serve guests, you know, my Michael Bedrusoy chowns. <laughs> What about going to work? What about the chomet at work if you're, or like eating lunch at work on Pesach if you're working Chol So if you're going to work, so the, the chomet, you, there clearly should be some, there should be hecker where you're eating. If it's people that you don't know, we're not comfortable reaching over to take, you're allowed to eat together with them because you're not going to, I'm not going to just reach over. But if you're friendly with them, etc., you shouldn't be eating with them. You should be eating in your own place. Okay, famous question always is I found comments. It's Yomtif and I found comments, or it's Cholamoid and I found comments. What do I do? So, it's very clear in Allah. What you do is on Yomtif, you can't, uh, the Shogunor says you can't burn it on Yomtif. Uh, you have to wait till after Yomtif is over. Motzi Yomtif, you should burn it right away. Uh, found Cholamoid, you burn it. Do you make a bracha? So, it's a good question whether you make a bracha or not. Um, we would make a bracha on it. However, the fascinating question is nowadays. What's the question nowadays? Nowadays, we write the star, we, we sell the, a person who sells chametz to the goy. So the star goes like this. I have chametz X and, you know, place X and sell it to the goy, and any other chametz I might have, also is sold to the goy, just in case. So now I find chametz. I, actually, one year I had, you know, the, the, the uh, wonderful experience of finding chametz in our umbrella stroller, tucked in down, you know, I didn't open it during Badika, and I found, you know, a roll. <laughs> you know, first day, young, you know, first day, young, yeah, it's nice out, you know, get my wife, you know, air out, you know, we'll go out, you know, with the kid, you know, and, you know, and I open up the door, there's a roll there. <laughs> you know, so, 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 you first thing you do is you call and ask the rabbi. So, um, what do I do? Um, so, I, I said, okay, so I have this roll here, what do I do? So, first of all, the roll is Moksa. Can't eat it on Pesach. It's, it's a totally, it's totally prohibited in any way, shape, or form. The roll is muktzah, but the roll is in my hand, so I can, I can, I can put it. I don't have to put it down right there, you know, like you know that my, well, my, my you know, everybody else should be walking around this roll. You, know, you can put it off to the side. So I put it off to the side. You're supposed to cover it with a cleat. Mm-hmm. Then you shouldn't come by mistake to eat it. 
and you can't you can't build a mechitza on Yom Tov. You know, um, someone asked why not? Why can't you build a mechitza on Yom Tov? We roll mechitzas in on you know in and out on Yom Tov. Why can't you make a mechitza with there? It's a good question. It's a good question. Why not? Um, but you can't. That's clearly more that you can't do that. But that thing, now the problem is it's the goy's chametz. But that thing's back to the same question: the shell. The chametz, the chametz with a cleave, which is not a mechitza. Why can't I cover a shelf with aluminum foil? Which is basically, I'm making a mechitza. You're right. That's the more says that it comes cholamoid, you have to make a mechitza in front of it. You can't rely on the clea anymore. What? The more says comes cholamoid, you can't rely on the clea anymore. You must have a mechitza. The more says on Yotav, you can't make a mechitza, so therefore we rely on the clea. Right, so but you're saying that the clea is mechitza then. No, I was not saying that. I'm saying that in the case you can't make a mechitza, you rely on the clea. But when you can't make a mechitza, you may not rely on that. It makes it a mechitza. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I didn't write the I didn't write the Gemara. What do I do? I didn't write it. Okay. You know, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just talking what the Gemara says. You know? Okay. So now comes Cholamoid. I said, I'm ready to burn it. And this is really exciting. It belongs to the Goy. I sold the comments to the Goy, right? All of my comments. So this is, this, this is my Goy's, you know, my Goy's neighbor. It's his role. I can't burn his role. Right? So should, can I burn it? Do I have to burn it? Is it also to burn it? What do I do now? So the answer is you start looking up in the sword. So one saver says you can burn it. One saver says you must burn it. One saver says you can't burn it. Okay, now what do we do? All right. So there's three different opinions. What do we do? Um, so it's, it's a very interesting question. So Lakhara, you, you can't burn it. It's, 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 you're doing an act of destroying somebody else's item. So Ravazza says, well, since if you really want to do the mitzvah, burn the chametz, the son of the goy will be moichel you. You'll do an amanasa, you'll pay him after yomtiv. I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going there. Um, so there are persons who say that, again, this mechir which we're doing, as much as it's, it's, it's halakhically, it's a bona fide mechira, and we're relying on it, um, we understand that in some level the goy's not really planning to use this chametz. He's not really planning to come in. Heinemann Shlita in Baltimore, you know, he wants to get the message across that this is real. He sends the, the, the person that he sells the chametz to to a few houses over Yomtev, and he, he actually comes in and removes the chametz and takes it home and uses it. So to, 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 to drive home the fact that this is a real sale, right? So, you know, so the guy walks in and says, okay, where is the whiskey? And then he goes and takes the whiskey, walks out, and says, have, have a nice holiday, and walks out and takes it home and drinks it. Because you sold him the whiskey, right? Really? Uh, no, no, no. What do you mean? No, 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 no. It's his. <laughs> oh, it's not really his. Okay, so then, then you're over in a very room. Okay, no, it really is his. Okay, good. Let him drink it. Not to has a shine like this, which, you know, we're talking about a, a bottle of whiskey or a box of macaroni, right? He's talking about a fellow who had an inn. And, you know, he had, he had casks, he had big, these big barrels of, of, of whiskey. That's what he serves. You know, an inn in Europe didn't mean, you know, Holiday Inn, right? It meant whiskey. Right? That was the place where all the local, you know, local people went, the peasants went to drink. So he sells it for Pesach. Right? And the way, you, the way we sell it is he, the person gives it, a, he, he makes all the kinyonim, he gives a down payment. He says, listen, you have eight days to come up with the rest of the money. If after eight days you don't come up with the rest of the money, you can sell it back to us and we'll accept that as payment. That's how we do it, right? So the guy says, listen, you know, tomorrow is tomorrow, but today this is all mine. He invites all of his friends, they roll into the inn and they open, take out all of the caskets of whiskey and start drinking. You can't stop him, it's theirs, right? You know he's not going to pay you, you are now wiped out. You're wiped out. That's done. Like, you know, that's it. That's your whole stack. 
He's not going to pay your after pesos because by then he's, either he's going to be dead because of a fight, he's going to leave town, or even if he doesn't, he doesn't have any money anyway, so who cares? You know, right? All three, right? So what do you do? So this is a real problem. You know, the night of the she ran to the roof. He said, Rabbi, save me, you know. Um, so I came up with, you know, it's not a simple question. It's not, not a simple answer to the question. So if you really sold it, so can you burn it? The, 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 the reality is that role, I, I doubt by the time the end of Pesach comes around that my, my goy is going to want, my, you know, he's going to be picking up that role at this point in time in the near future. <laughs> so I burnt it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my, I'm, I'm confessing my sins over here in public. I burnt it. Okay. What about, you know, there was once a case, I remember like one year that for some reason, and we all got in the newspaper cereal that you yeah. named it. It was three years in a row, not one year, it was three years in a row. I remember that. <laughs> right, remember that? Like three years in a row, it, came, it comes to your mail slot. Yeah. Um, it's probably true. No, it actually had no U on it. <laughs> it's just like they're, they're introducing like like a new cereal, grape nuts or something like that, whatever it was, you know, something like that. So it's something that you didn't have, so you didn't own it? You didn't sell it. You didn't sell it before Pesach. pay So this is real bona fide. This is, this is real bona fide comments. You could argue, and the Pesach argued the following, that... Um, I had no. I didn't. What's the act of Kenyan? The act of Kenyan over here. That I. How do I acquire ownership through the fact that it's in my property? Mm-hmm. The rule is that a chutzur is cut for me. A chutzur is cut for me even if I had no intent, because I would probably want it. Mm-hmm. So here we can assume that I probably would not want it. So since there was no intent, I, had, I didn't do an action of acquiring it. Mm-hmm. I didn't actively acquire it. That's clear. Um, passively acquiring it because it's probably beneficial for me. The answer is it's not. I don't want it. So we assume that it's not yours. So you're not over the there, but you have, you have to get out of your house. Mm-hmm. Um, don't take it in your house. What? Don't take it in. The newspaper was on the ground. No, no, no. My mail slot. Yeah. Mail slot. Yeah. Through the mail slot. It did. No, mine came through the mail slot. I, you know, you, I, I wasn't sorry, because you're, you're bigger today, because that's what I'm Yeah. Okay. Uh, one day we, we uh, had a guest who on Saturday night um, generously brought us a fine bottle of whiskey. And um, I believe we poured it down the toilet, but it wasn't the proper thing to do. Um, that was fine. <laughs> Actually, should know there's a question in the locker of whether you can do that. You want to say we can't accept it. You, 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 you have it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the Mishnah raises the question whether it's proper. It says because on the other hand, it's muktzah. You're not supposed to move it. Mm-hmm. So what's better? Should you get rid of it by throwing it down the toilet, you know, or something of that sort, grinding it up and throwing it down the toilet, you know, or wait till after you know? Muktzah versus. Um... So what do you do? So that's that, that's the question Mishabur raises. He brings two opinions, and he seems to decide it's better to wait, right? Um, but you know, there's opinions that rely on that situation. So, I actually I tell you just, I mean, this is you know, if, if for all you parents out there, you want to have a horror story. This is a horror story. One of my friends did this. Um, he confessed confessing sins. Anyway, um, he he tells me he was about five or six years old. He loved donuts, and he's very very upset the fact that all the donuts are being removed from his house. So he decided to save a donut under his pillow. <laughs> now his father did not do padika under the pillow because you know, like. You know, the, the, the chances of comments being found under the pillow are very low. Um, so he sit, the father sits down to the Seder table, and it's Seder night. He says, okay, kindle lock, there's no more comments in the house. 
And my friend Father says, "Yes, there is." <laughs> says, Father says, "What do you mean?" He says, "One second, I'll show you." And he runs to the bedroom, grabs the donut, and runs back to the dining room to show his father the donut. So meanwhile, this kid is running at full speed towards the center table with his donut in his hand. <laughs> you know, the, four, the father says, "Get that thing!" I'm like, you could imagine what the father said. Anyway, you know, whatever. Um, so. Uh, he remembered that story. He told me the story about 10 years later. He still remembered the story for some strange reason. What happened to him? What did he do? What, what the father did to the kid or to the donuts? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the donuts, so that's the same situation. It's a fun of the role. It's, 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 it's homeless in the house. You have to, you have to deal with it. Did you flush it down the toilet? What did you do? It's better thing to do was wait till afterwards to burn it. Wait till wait till Cholamoy, Cholamoy to burn. Yeah, just cover it with something. Put it aside. Cover it with something. Wait till Cholamoy to burn. That's the Mishnah Berurah side. Yeah. Okay. Um, a person's eating matzah. It's hard to get the matzah down. There's the one more. It's toast time for tomorrow. Person eating the matzah. It's hard to get the matzah down. They want to take a drink of water together while they're eating the eating the matzah. They want to soak the matzah in water. Um, so the law is soaking lots of water for a short time. We have a problem of co- we have a problem of soaking soaking bread if it sits too long loses the status of bread. This is how you you know you have uh, matzah bread which is an amotzi and you have French toast which is which possibly depending if it's small if the pieces are less than a kazayas each piece is less than a kazayas and they sit in the water for too long they look they're no longer bread. Okay, so you don't want to do that for too long. You know, soak it, make it really 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 soft. You know that's not the idea. That's not a good idea. Um, so, but with Allah, if you want to soak it for a short period of time, for a person who's ill, a person who's elderly, and it's hard for them to chew, they can do that. Um, well, I don't want to soak the, the, the matzah in water. I just want to take a drink of water while, while, while I'm eating the matzah. Um, am I allowed to do that? So I see Mrs. Rishi is saying no. You know, okay, you know, so we have the psaac. Um, so the truth is, I, I, we could make an argument in the case it's really difficult for a person to do it. We can make an argument that it's motor. Uh, I would not say it's lekachilo the same way soaking. We don't do lekachilo, um, but in a case of where a person can't get it down, they push it, they can't swallow. The person's compromised in saliva, whatever it is, it's hard to get it down. So a person could take a small sip of water and get it down. Okay, I think we've. Um, the, 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 I tell you, tell you one, one last thing. The impetus behind this story, how the sheer came up, was my last Pesach. Every day over Yomtiv, I told over the interesting halacha questions which had come up. You know, but no names said, obviously. Um, over Yomtiv. And my son, Motsi Pesach, made a list of every single shadow which had come up. He had three pages of questions which had come up over Yomtiv. He wrote them out for me. Um, and he called it Pisca de Pisca. The Psach of Pesach. That was his, you know, he made a cute title out of it. So I said, well, he says, he says Tati, next year you can use it for a year. I said, okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good.